Chapter Nine of the Great White Queen by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Nine. Condemned to the torture. Eager to witness the agony of the son of the powerful Naya of Mo, the crowd of evil-faced men in silken robes who surrounded their brutal chief watched with lively anticipation the preparations that were in a few moments in active progress. The black slaves of the weirdly dressed executioner first carried in a large blazing brazier, and rolling away the thick crimson carpet placed it upon the floor of polished marble in front of Samory's divan. A slave-boy had, in response to a sign from the great chief, lit his long pipe with its bejeweled mouthpiece, and as he half reclined on the couch he smoked on calmly, regarding the execution of his orders, with undisguised satisfaction. The slaves, each wearing black loincloths with bunches of sable ostrich feathers on their heads that waved like funeral plumes as they walked, brought in grim-looking instruments of iron, like blacksmith's tools, strange spiked chains, fetters with sharp spikes on the inside, and many curiously contrived irons, each devised to cause some horrible torture, each red with rust, the rust of blood. As my eyes fell upon them I involuntarily shuddered. Omar, my loyal friend, was about to be murdered by these inhuman brutes, and I knew that I was powerless to defend him from their fiendish wrath. Already he was standing in the grip of two black-plumed slaves, while no attempt had been made to secure me. I stood near him, breathlessly anxious, wondering what the end would be. Presently, when all was ready, a silence fell. Then the deep voice of Samory was heard, asking the final question. "'Speak, son of a dog!' he cried, addressing my unhappy friend. "'Wilt thou tell us where the secret treasure-house of the Sanams is situated?' "'No,' Omar answered, flashing at his enemy a look of defiance. I will not betray my mother's secret to my father's murderer. Then use thy powers of persuasion, he said, lifting his hand towards the executioner. Unseal his lips, and that quickly. Chief of our race, whose praises rise earliest and most frequent in the presence of Allah, I am ready to obey thee, answered the hideous functionary. So saying, he took up a long iron instrument, fashioned like a pair of pincers, and thrust it into the burning coals. Vain, O persecutor, cried Omar in a loud voice, vain are thy tortures against the will-power of the son of the great white queen, whose veins are filled with royal blood. Tremble at thy doom, a myriad of my race are determined against thee, and thy throne noddeth over thine head. The fiend of darkness is let loose, and the powers of evil shall prevail. Hold thy peace, shouted the Moslem chieftain, enraged. Thine own blood shall make satisfaction for those of my race, slain by thy warriors when last we march upon thy kingdom. The curses of Takar, of Turaka, and of Zamara, dreaded by all men, be upon me, my companion cried, lifting his voice until it sounded loud and clear through the vaulted hall, and pointing to the slave-raiding king whose power no European influence could break. May the vengeance of my injured blood fasten upon thy life. Those around Samory, looked aghast as Omar uttered these ominous predictions in the spirit of prophecy, for they perceived he spoke as he was moved, and the whole council seemed dismayed. Silence and amazement for a few moments prevailed. Omar alone appeared unconcerned at his fate. Quickly, however, the executioner bent over his fire 
and as the wretched victim of the potentate's hatred was dragged to a kind of square iron frame that lay upon the floor, thrown down, and fastened thereto by his wrists and ankles, the fiendish-looking hireling took the long pincers, now red-hot, and tore from Omar's shoulder a great piece of flesh. A piercing scream of agony rent the air, mingled with the triumphant jeers of the excited counsellors, but my friend's teeth were tightly clenched, and his face blanched to the lips. Again and again cries of agony escaped him as the red-hot iron touched him, although he exerted every nerve to maintain a dogged silence. From his back, shoulders, and chest the brutal negro ruthlessly tore pieces, holding them up to the assembled court in triumph, while the air was filled with the nauseating odor of burning flesh. The sight was so sickening that I turned faint, and with difficulty prevented myself from falling. "'Wilt thou now impart to us the knowledge that we seek?' asked Samory in ringing tones that sounded above the whispered exultations of his courtiers. "'Never!' gasped Omar in a weak voice, his eyes starting from his head. "'Life cannot be uncheckered by the frowns of fate, but death must bring dumbness to my lips. Caution, when besmeared in blood, is no longer virtue or wisdom, but wretched and degenerate cowardice. No, never let him that was born to execute judgment secure his honours by cruelty and oppression. Hath not thy Koran told thee that fear and submission is a subject's tribute? Yet mercy is the attribute of Allah, and the most pleasing endowment of the vicegenerates of earth? From the lips of a fool there sometimes falleth wisdom, Samory said impatiently. Thou hast deemed it wise to thwart the will of one whose wish is law. Therefore, ere the bud of thy youth unfolds in the fullness of manhood, thou shalt be cut off, as the husbandman destroyeth the deadly serpent in the field. Is there no way to build up the seat of justice in mercy but in murder? cried Omar. At a signal from the slave-raider, however, the scarred-faced brute again withdrew the pincers from the fiery brazier, and applied them once more to the wretched prince's back. He winced and turned with such strength that his limbs, fettered as they were, in bonds of blood-smeared iron, cracked while the muscles and veins stood out knotted like cords. The spotless marble of the floor was stained by a dark red pool, becoming larger every moment as the life-blood dripped slowly from beneath. The scene was revolting. I placed my hands over my eyes to shut out from my gaze the horrible contortions of the victim's face. Yet those assembled were gleeful and excited. Omar was the son of their unconquerable enemy and they delighted in witnessing his humiliation and agony. Times without number, the negro with a strangely marked visage seared the flesh of my helpless companion. Then, in response to his orders, his black-plumed slaves drew tighter the bonds that confined his ankles and wrists, until the sound of the crushing of bones and sinews reached our ears. Again a loud shriek echoed along the high-roofed wall. Omar was no longer able to bear the excruciating pain in silence. Courage, I cried in English, heedless of the consequences. Courage, let this fiend see that he cannot rule us as he does his cringing slaves. Think, think of yourself, Scars, he gasped with extreme difficulty. If they kill me, forgive me for bringing you from England. I, I did not know that this trap had been prepared for me. I forgive you everything, I answered, glancing for a moment at his white, blood-smeared countenance. Bear up, you must, you shall not die but even as I spoke, the executioner who had been bending over the fire withdrew with his tongs a band of iron with long sharp sparks on the inside, now red with heat, 
and as the slaves released the pressure upon his wrists and ankles, the sinister-faced negro placed the terrible band around the victim's waist, and by means of a screw quickly drew it so tight that the red-hot spikes ran into the flesh, causing it to smoke and emit a hissing sound that was horrible. Again poor Omar squirmed in pain and gave vent to a shrill, agonized cry. But it was not repeated. Everyone stood eager and open-mouthed and even the villainous Samory rose from his divan to more closely watch the effect of the fearful torture now being applied. The victim's upturned face was white as the marble pavement. From the corners of the mouth a thin red stream oozed, and the closed eyes and imperceptible breathing showed plainly that no torture, however inhuman, could cause him further agony. He had lapsed into unconsciousness. "'Hold!' cried Samory at last, seeing the executioner about to prepare yet another torture. Take the pagan author of malice from my sight, let his wounds be dressed, and apply thy persuasion unto him again to-morrow at sundown. He shall speak, I vow, before the great Allah and Mohammed, the prophet of the just. He shall tell us where the treasure lieth hidden. O light of the earth, cried one of the counsellors, a white-bearded sage who wore a robe of crimson silk beautifully embroidered. Though the hand of time hath not yet spread the fruits of manhood, upon this youth's cheeks, yet neither the splendor of thy court nor the words from thy lips could steal from the young prince the knowledge of himself. He hath cursed thee with the three curses of the pagans Takar, Turaka, and Zomara, the crocodile god, held in awe by all. Well, thinkest thou that I fear the empty threats of a youth whose hostility towards me arises from the fact that I captured his father on the great salt road, and smiting off his head sent it as a present to the Naya? asked Samory in indignation. But as the black-plumed slaves removed the inanimate form of Omar, the aged counsellor stepped forward boldly, saying, I perceive, O source of light, that the dark clouds of evil are gathering to disturb the hours of futurity. The spirits of the wicked are preparing the storm and the tempest against thee. But the volumes of fate are torn from my sight, and the end of thy troubles is unknown. The counsellors exchanged glances and stood aghast, but Samory, livid with rage, sprang from his divan and commenced to upbraid the aged seer for his words of warning. I was not, however, allowed to listen to the further discussion of the old man's prophecy, being hurried by two of the torturer's slaves back to my underground cell, where I remained alone for many hours awaiting Omar, who I presumed was being brought back to consciousness in another part of the great impregnable fortress, the mazes of which were bewildering. End of chapter 9. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks.com.